Good evening and welcome to another episode of Triggered. Today we're joined by MAGA warrior Stephen Miller. Stephen's one of the smartest minds in American politics today. He worked in the Trump White House as a senior advisor to my father, uh, focused heavily on immigration and the insanity that's going on at our border. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Since then, he's founded America First Legal. And I think you'll really enjoy this interview because everyone asks, how do we fight back? He's the guy that's actually fighting those battles. He's the guy that's out there suing the radical left and making sure there's some accountability. Not just complaining about it on social media, we're good at that, but that's the actual real work that has to be done to make sure we can combat these policies. So you're gonna like this interview with Stephen Miller. And before that, we gotta do a little brief rundown of the headlines because apparently everything is racist these days, guys, including, wait for it, roads. <laughs> yes, according to Team Biden, the roads, the pieces of asphalt that you drive on are racist. The roads. <laughs> you might think that it's just the statues that are racist, but no, no, no. It's the roads that go around the statues that are racist too. Listen to Rhodes scholar Pete Buttigieg explain We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence. And we see a lot of racial disparities, black and brown Americans, tribal citizens and rural residents, much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? Who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities. And we have a, a responsibility to act on that. Do you catch that, folks? Pete Buttigieg says that minorities are dying, dying, because of the way roads are designed and built. It's unclear to me how a slab of asphalt can be racist, but somehow Pete Buttigieg might have a point about roads. Check out how these drivers were attacked in Chicago this weekend crowds from downtown and new video into our newsroom shows more of last night's chaos people were seen kicking passing cars crowding the streets dancing on top of parked vehicles and we're still waiting to find out and hear if police made any arrests from this last night earlier in the day yesterday a viewer shared cell phone video showing a group of people jumping on a car that is driving along michigan avenue remember folks it wasn't enough that like the bridges uh, at the border and nearby were racist because they weren't high enough to accommodate uh, the migrants that are illegally coming across our border. That's when we started realizing that our infrastructure was racist. But I guess today, everything is racist. Now Chicago's recently elected mayor, Brandon Johnson, responded to the video you just saw and said in a statement that while he condemns the violence, it's not constructive to demonize youth. It's not constructive to demonize youth that are vandalizing a city. This is how insane liberals have become. You can claim that the roads are designed to kill black people and no one even questions it. Media, everyone will go along with it as though it's true, as though it's not somehow insane, as though it's the gospel. 
But when a group of teenagers starts jumping on people's cars, you can't demonize the teenagers. It appears that the defund the police supporting mayor will not fix Chicago. Shocking. You left Lori Lightfoot because of the disastrous policies, and you may have found someone who's actually worse. These liberal cities and states seem determined to find out how many people they can get to leave. How many of the taxpayers that fund the insane nonsense that they're pushing on our kids every day can they drive out? And the answer seems like a lot based on the number of out-of-state license plates that I see here in Florida and elsewhere where I'm in conservative states. And our next story in the woke lunacy, it never ends. California proposes to bring equity to electricity. (laughs) You can't make it up, folks. California, the People's Republic. In California, the power companies are proposing to get rid of the simple billing system that has existed for decades. In other words, you get charged for the electricity that you use. Now, California's utility companies are proposing that your bill would be scaled based on your household income, not how much you actually use. Just another example of putting woke lunacy over solutions that will actually work. I don't know how you can stay in California or any of these blue states anymore, but if you're going to leave, please make sure you don't import your insane values with you because that's what's destroying the red states in America, where you leave and flee a system that has failed you, but you bring like 95% of it with you wherever you go, that's a real problem. And we have some more leaks, big breaks in the leaks that have rocked the Pentagon in the past week. Finally, we found the first whistleblower that liberals don't like. Shocking. Jack Teixeira, a 21-year-old member of the Air National Guard, was arrested last week for leaking dozens of highly classified documents to his friends online. These documents later spread throughout the Internet, and that included the revelation that the United States Special Forces are in Ukraine fighting along with the Ukrainians against the Russians. Think about that for a second, folks. We're fighting not just a proxy war anymore, but... We're actually boots on the ground against the world's largest by volume nuclear superpower. We're spying against American allies like South Korea, other parts of the minor leaks. And if Jack Teixeira leaked that Trump was waging an unlawful war with a nuclear superpower, he'd have like three shows on CNN and he'd be on book tours for the rest of his life. Right? Remember chow thief Alexander Vindeman? Uh, the difference between Alexander Vindman, who was made a hero for leaking stuff like this to the press, and Jack is that Jack may have inadvertently averted World War III as opposed to pushing us towards it like Vindman did. Now, that didn't stop Vindman from becoming a hero because it's just different if you're a conservative. It's just different if you're guy, the guy trying to stop World War III like Trump was. You'd be accused of actually being able to start it. That's how lopsided a world we're living. Now, I'm not for leaks that put our troops or perhaps our covert operatives at risk. Let's be clear. But the media response 
is about the leak, not about the fact that we're actually waging this war that could escalate to nuclear Armageddon. That they don't even talk about that aspect is crazy. The media would be covering this up totally differently if it happened under the Trump administration. But now we know we're doing what many of us have suspected for a while. And yet, hey, it seems like it's almost out of the news already. But I'm sure, unlike the leakers against Trump, Jack Teixeira is going to spend a lot of time in jail because they're going to make sure there's consequences for this and not the other way around. And lastly, guys, perhaps the most troubling story we've covered. A Washington state bill that would stop parents from interviewing on child gender transitions. A bill in Washington state literally says it would prevent parents from intervening in the child's decision to receive gender transition treatments. Think about that for a second. Bill 5599 would allow a host of homes for runaway youths to escape for their, their parents' consent and push this crap on minors without parental permission. This is state-sanctioned kidnapping, okay? It was voted on in the Washington House by 100% of Democrats, and it would nullify parents of their child's whereabouts or tell them that they were undergoing gender transition procedures so they can make a permanent decision pushed on them by either doctors or their teachers, but not parents. And the parents who'd have to consent to so many things throughout that kid's life in a much smaller scale are going to be totally irrelevant to the process. This is stripping parents of their rights. And it's also just going to put kids in more danger. Who's more easily manipulated than a young child? And now you're going to make it illegal for parents to do that? When will parents be criminalized for not going along with this insanity? When will they be thrown in prison? And it could drive a wedge between vulnerable kids and their parents. It's downright dangerous. It's insane. But unfortunately, it's where the Democrat Party is today. Because it was voted on by 100% of the Democrats in Washington and zero Republicans. So just remember that. Well, guys, today we're joined by America First legal founder, Stephen Miller. He was also a senior advisor in the Trump White House, and we'll talk to him about all the incredible legal work he's doing, as well as what's the path forward for MAGA in 2024. Stephen is one of the people that got crushed and derided, and they called him every name in the book, uh, just strong on immigration and build the wall policies, just a great America first fighter. So you're gonna really like it. But first, I wanna thank our sponsors who make the show possible. And now, guys, more than ever, we just have to make sure we're supporting the companies who support you. And that's why I want you to go check out Patriot Mobile, which is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile puts America first with every call. And you get the same coverage nationwide as you would with the other major carriers. But rather than giving your money to, say, AT&T, who's spending it and canceling OAN and Newsmax and other conservative program, literally trying to cancel our voice, Patriot Mobile provides and supports people who share your values. They put their dollars into action, donating a portion of every 
dollar earned to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, uh, the right to keep and bear arms, the sanctity of life, and protecting our brave police and first responders. So support the companies who support you. And guys, let's face it, you're going to have a cell phone anyway, so have your cell phone with someone who shares your values. Vote with your dollars and vote to support Patriot Mobile. For free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr., D-O-N-J-R, patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr., Check them out. Again, guys, you're going to have a cell phone. So why don't you have a cell phone who gives back to the stuff that you believe in rather than give to the people who hate your guts? I also, I also have to make sure to tell you all about GoldCo because we're watching the world go through a crazy transition right now, right? We're seeing major banks fail and falter. Uh, and I want to make sure you're protecting your retirement savings from inflation, from dollar devaluation, from stupid decisions like Joe Biden using his first veto in office to make sure that you have to use ESG when watching out for your retirement. You know, they're woke nonsense because obviously they're looking out for you. So I want you to be prepared. It feels like 2008 all over again, where we're going to hit a wall going a thousand miles an hour and owning tangible, physical Gold and silver can help diversify your portfolio and protect you from some of the insanity. So from precious metals, IRAs to direct purchases of gold and silver, GoldCo has helped thousands of Americans diversify and protect their retirement savings. So support the companies who support you. A key tenet of this show, guys, if you're going to go and you're going to diversify it, do it with guys who share your values. Go check out DonJuniorGold.com to learn more. So that's D-O-N-J-R-G-O-L-D. Pretty simple. We keep it easy for you guys. DonJuniorGold.com. Learn all about it. Make your decisions wisely, but make sure you're looking at these things so you can protect yourselves uh, from the, the storm that seems to be coming. So you guys are the best. And now we're going to go over to Stephen Miller. All right, guys. This one's going to be a great one because we're with a true... MAGA, America First, Patriot. We have Stephen Miller, someone who's taken his fair share of hits. Uh, he's been called uh, everything. He's actually one of the first people I know who's apparently a Jewish anti-Semite, uh, Stephen. Uh, they called you all of those things for your immigration policies and just the lunacy uh, of the left. But he's also done some amazing things as an America First legal founder. So Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for Thank everything you. you're doing. It's so important. Thank you. Why don't you give the audience a little bit of update of what you've been doing since sort of the Trump White House? Because it's so critical that we're fighting these battles this way, you know, not just talking about it and dunking on social. Yes, that's such an important point. And, you know, I love social media. You love social media. We all love social media. But too often conservatives think that just as you said, dunking on social media is enough. Yeah. Like, I love a great meme. We all love a great meme. Right. Hey, listen, easy. Don't go too far with no, this. No. One. <laughs> I love the meme. But yeah, the yeah. question is, having having yeah. identified a problem, educate people about it, inspire people about it. What are you going to do now with that knowledge in the real world? Right. Correct. And so my organization, America First Legal, which I founded after leaving the Trump administration in 2021, has a very simple mission, which is that we take the bad guys to court. In a sentence, that's what we do. So sometimes it's the Biden administration. Sometimes it's, say, the state of New York. Sometimes it's a crazy school district or radical left superintendent. Sometimes, as it has been recently, it's the National Archives. Yeah. We've sued the 
the FBI and the DOJ, we go after the bad guys in court like they've been doing to us for decades unanswered. My inspiration for it was living through that in the Trump administration, where they would sue, 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 sue. And I said, we have to create something on the outside to do the same thing to them. And so whether it's immigration policy, transgender policy, whether it's the corruption of the Biden family, we are filing one lawsuit after another to try to either stop bad policies or to expose corruption at the highest levels of government. Yeah, because I mean, I talk about that a lot. And like, man, probably no one maybe out there is more guilty of it than me in terms of, you know, dunking on the I told you so, you know, Wuhan lab leak theory, uh, vaccines, uh, you know, now, obviously the big one. Hey, like we've been in a proxy war with Russia. Now it seems like we're in a real war with Russia. Uh, but we, we dunk, you know, a year after it's sort of obvious right. and we're put down and like, that's great, right. but they still got the win. They still took the W at the time. Right. There's no real consequence. So you're actually creating the mechanism for which there is consequence for their lies, uh, for their the way they've handled things, uh, the way they've weaponized the government uh, and its systems against the people and or against people like my father, which would be their political enemies across the aisle. Yes, I mean, as, a, as an example of that point, um, one of our biggest recent revelations is that we drew a direct link through our oversight work between the Biden White House and the raid on Mar-a-Lago. This is obviously one of the most explosive things that have been uncovered in the last two years. But the way that we did it was we actually had to hire the lawyers who had the expertise, who had the background, who had the skill set to do the work to uncover this information. And now it's been made public contemporaneously to your point yeah. finding out about it seven years later is useless yeah that's useless. so that's so important i mean i mean talk about it because you know of course of course we all knew they were in cahoots just like we know they're in cahoots in new york with my father's indictment and the guy that was brought in to you know take the zombie case over was someone that worked for biden and that department and yada yada like of course we know just like we knew you know, Wuhan started in the lab that studies the exact virus in question. And yet, if you said that you were canceled, you were thrown off, you were if you were a doctor, you were you lost tenure, even though it was always the most obvious. Of course, they were involved with the raid. Of course, people were making those calls. But you find that out two years down the road. Right. It doesn't have any impact. You find it out now while they're still trying to litigate it. Uh, and it all of a sudden makes their case uh, sort of throws a lot of prejudice in there, obviously. Well, I mean, so to this point, we've lived through this cycle where they will give up the game, as you said, after they've gotten their win. So yeah. two years later or three years later, they'll be like, oh, wait, no, actually, it was all a hoax. You're right. And then they're on to the next thing. They're on to the next thing. Yeah. And a great example of this that we that you just mentioned, of course, is the is the Wuhan virus, the China virus, where everyone knew it came from a lab, but you were demonized relentlessly for saying so. They only allowed even a little bit of information out showing that was true long after it was of any value as a political thing for the left. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, for example, we can show that the National Archives misled Congress. That means that the committees in Congress can act now. They can use their subpoena power now. They can hold hearings now. They can drag people up to get deposed right now when it matters. I think the whole lesson here, whether you call yourself a, a conservative or a traditionalist or a nationalist or a populist, whatever your label is, if you're one of those people whose right thinking is not part of the crazy left, what you have to learn how to do is use the machinery of government, use the machinery of society 
to impose your will when you have the authority to do so. The left is so good at this. When oh, they yeah. run an agency or run a committee or run a corporation, they use that power to impose their will. When yeah. conservatives have that same authority, they say, oh, no, we just want to be neutral. We just It's, it's all the same. What's the difference? We're just going to sit back and let things happen. That is a recipe for complete and total domination of the left over us. So, so what exactly is it that you guys found uh, as it relates to the Mar-a-Lago raid? For those who don't know, you know, what is it that you found, and, wh and what doors does that open for us to finally fight back? So, very specifically, what we found is that the Biden White House Counsel's Office used a special access request that is supposed to be for expressly. Um, Routine purposes, for example, we want to find out how the Clinton administration implemented its internal White House ethics rules. So National Archives, can you send us like the Clinton White House Counsel's Office ethics guidelines that will give us technical guidance on something we're dealing with? Those for strictly technical, procedural, pragmatic purposes, the White House Counsel's Office can ask the National Archives to share some documents. And that would make sense. In this case, the Biden White House asked the National Archives for the documents that had been obtained from Mar-a-Lago, and then they turned around and transferred those documents to the Department of Justice. So they acted as the go-between. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's sort of like, I mean, I wish we would have had you, uh, you know, I, I loved you in the White House, but maybe had you out there during Russia, 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 right? Where we could have figured out that, you know, the FBI leaked stuff to the New York Times who printed it, and then the FBI used the printed right. article about what they leaked to justify the grounds for their investigation, even though they were the ones that leaked it, but they had no actual grounds. Like that's about as corrupt as it gets, but this is exactly what we're seeing here. Right, and, and so this is a case where that means that the Biden White House and the National Archives and the Department of Justice have all been misleading the American people since this whole thing began. And, and again, it's up to the House now with the majority to use that subpoena power and the deposition power to now dig even deeper and hold people accountable publicly and get them under oath. And of course, lying to Congress is a crime. And if and if this DOJ won't prosecute that crime, Congress needs to make clear that we will refer that for prosecution in 2025 when there is a DOJ who will prosecute that crime. Yeah, because it's not like they just did it. Like they were asked repeatedly about this. I mean, the press secretary and I believe even Biden himself were asked directly. And, oh, we don't know anything about it. We don't know anything about it. Uh, I mean, so beyond that, they're, they lied directly to the people on, on a daily yes, basis. They've, and been on lying, multiple they've been lying repeatedly and continuously. Now, I will say there's another important point here that we have to understand. And you also you, you referenced it where the FBI was planning stories and then using those support stories to engage in uh, domestic espionage, which is that we have to realize how freaking good they are at what they do. Like, yeah. you know, we mock them and we should because they're crazy, but they're also so good at their sabotage. Yeah. They are so talented at being able to manipulate media, intelligence, our legal system. We are up against some of the most cunning, relentless, resourceful people. And so again, we need to get our damn act together. We need, as a movement, if you have the power to do something, again, if you run a committee, uh, if you run a corporation, certainly if you're in the legal business, as I am now, 
you have to use all your wits, all your resources, all your energy to try to hold yeah. the bad guys to account. Yeah, because that's the problem, right? They'll, the Democrats, it's, you know, they have a distinct advantage beyond the fact that they're just better at it and more sort of evil uh, in how they play the game. You know, they have the full weight and force of big tech. They have the full yes. weight and force of the mainstream media. They have the full weight and force of big social for the most part you know, all sort of doing their bidding for them. So when they're not exactly quick about getting us answers, you know, they're slow rolling and hoping for, you know, another election. We can just make it go away. You know, when when we do catch them, you know, it's not really news. I mean, people like yourself and guys like me can highlight it, which is why, A, it's so important for people to like share this kind of content so that they can learn about what you're doing, but yeah. they can also learn about what's actually going on because so few people, even on the conservative side, are willing to actually say it because that puts them in the direct crosshairs of the radical left who will go after them, who will dox them, who will go protest in front of their families, who will drag them through the mud. It's an easy existence in Washington, D.C. to be a weakling conservative and to fold to them. They let you get by. But if you're actually a fighter, uh, you know, they're going to make up stuff about you. They're going to try to put you in jail. And they've they've done as much to a lot of the fighters or tried. Uh, yes, and that's the, by the way, that last point though game. is what really takes it to the next level. Where we where we've gone from being uh, just a a radical left government yeah. into the realm of true Marxist socialist tyranny is they've now gone to the step of saying, and if you really become a problem for us, we will fabricate a crime and put you in jail. The kind yeah. of things that we see in despotic third world regimes has now come home to America. And that ultimately is the greatest threat to our freedom. Yeah. I mean, we had Mike Davis on there talking about it and it's like, you know, I do this. It's my family. I'm, I'm pretty you know, vested and, and I'm watching, you know, and when he was talking about the links of the people who Alvin Bragg in New York brought in from the Biden administration to try to sort of, you know, revive this dead horse uh, to go after my father, because the last seven years apparently weren't enough. And even the, you know, even the sort of judicial branches of government that actually oversee those things they passed but no 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 we're gonna keep going and we're gonna figure out a way to make that happen so that they can get their narrative and their photograph and that's that's truly scary and again if they can do it to trump they can do it to anyone and if they'll do it to trump who won't they do it to because i mean he has the ability to fight back he's got an incredible platform he's got the money to deal with it you know they've tried breaking people for next to nothing in many cases just knowing it was a lie i mean I did 50 hours of testimony for treason, you know, minor details, a crime punishable by death. Uh, not everyone has the means that I had to be able to fight that, to have the lawyers to, you know, not and everyone has the sort of the stomach to they fight They rely it. on the fact that they will bankrupt people, that yeah. they will so ruin their lives, that they will so hound them, their business, their families, that they will give up and even plead to a crime they didn't even commit just yeah. to end the pain. You know, not to get up too far off onto this, but I mean, you know, as an example, because again, I lived through it. You know, we had a national security advisor at the start of the administration who was famous for being skeptical of the deep state. So he's the first one they took out, right? Yeah. He's the first one they took out. They planted an elaborate intelligence oper operation on the freaking national security advisor. You had FBI agents planning a national security entrapment operation on the national security advisor for the president of the United States to try to get him thrown into jail. And if he wouldn't relent, then they would bleed him dry and bankrupt him of every penny. That's who we're up against. I mean, people need to realize that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's sort of interesting, right? Last week, you know, we saw 
you know, this guy, you know, Jack Teixeira, 21-year-old, uh, you know, air guardsman or whatever that magically had like really high clearances apparently for some reason, like this isn't a setup, uh, you know, just waiting to unfold. But, you know, I'm sure we'll learn about that later and I'm sure I'll be called a conspiracy theorist and I'll be proven right in a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, Jack Teixeira, you know, and again, I'm not for leaking information that could get our troops killed or, you know, our assets, critical assets in other countries killed at the same time, you know, this kid could have perhaps helped avert World War III. And I, you know, I see them dragging him through the thing and he's gonna go to jail for life and all of this stuff, but I can't help but wonder, like say Alexander, you know, chow thief Alexander Vindeman was made a hero for trying to leak against the duly elected president of the United States. Um, you know, this guy's gonna go down as a traitor for perhaps preventing World War III against the largest nuclear arsenal in the world. And, it, you know, I think that if this guy leaked, that Trump was fighting, actually fighting, because that's what we know now. Now, many of us probably knew that already because, you know, we've been watching for the last six years, but we're actually fighting a war without the knowledge of the people and without the approval of Congress against the largest nuclear stockpile in the world. And like... I have a feeling that this guy, like, there is no level of hero uh, to explain how big a hero this guy would be if he did this under the Trump administration to the detriment of Trump. But under Biden, who's actually fighting this war, because, you know, we haven't been in a war in nine months, uh, all of a sudden it, it's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, on the, on the last point, yes, he would be celebrated in the same way that Alexander Vindman was, in the same way that all the people who leaked and who plotted and who schemed against the duly elected president of the United States for the entirety of the Trump administration, of course, before and after, too. And so that, that, that comparison is very useful, you know, the Vindman comparison, because it's, this, it's the same country, right, Ukraine. Yeah. And in one case, it was to try to undermine President Trump's effort to battle corruption in Ukraine. Right. I was always led to believe that fighting corruption was a good thing. Right. That was always what I had. No, no, no. That's only if you're a conservative. It's, right. You know, if you're a Democrat, you, it, corruption's OK, as evidenced yes. by, you know, let's just say the differences between me and Hunter and the way yes. we were uh, well, simultaneously before, treated. If you had if you had Hunter's laptop, you would, oh you would be in jail for a thousand years. But yep. um, I'd be in Gitmo and there would be no key. Yes. Extraordinary yeah. rendition territory. But the. Um, but the point is that Vindman, who who stymied through, through this very elaborate scheme, the effort to battle corruption in the foreign country, and of course in the process uh, to wound President Trump, which of course did the bidding in that sense, or I should say, uh, who did that help? Who did impeaching President Trump help, right? It helped those who wanted a war between Ukraine and Russia, which is a very important point. Yeah. He was made into a hero, an absolute hero. And now you have in this case, again, you and I, we both acknowledge we don't know the details. We don't know anything about it. We'll find out more. But in this case, you have somebody who's sharing information about an illicit war, an undeclared war against a nuclear armed power. And he's being made into the greatest villain in history. And I would just know that if you think about the, the, the degree of severity of what crimes a president can commit, of what crimes a president can commit, is there a more serious crime for a president to commit? That an undeclared war with boots on the ground against a nuclear armed power. That's about as serious a crime as I can imagine a president committed. Oh, listen, I, I think that there was no question if Trump was doing this, just reverse 
the situation. Like we'd be in impeachment number three or 12 or 17, whichever one we'd be at. But like, right. I mean, how is that not an impeachable offense? I mean, trying to stop corruption was in, in, in one of the most corrupt countries in the world was apparently impeachable. But like, you know, waging a war. Uh, right. I and mean, if there is it like in a, fact, an unlawful law is apparently OK these days. Right. That makes us that make, we, you know, the if we are, in fact, we have boots on the ground, then we are engaged in, in direct combat for the first time in history between the United States and Russia with our massive nuclear stockpiles. In other words, this is not a proxy war at that point in time. And we already know from what's been publicly reported, what's publicly available, just how much and to the extent that we are we are managing and we are providing the intelligence for and we are providing the operations for this war. And so this could, in fact, lead to, as you mentioned, World War Three. And I think this is the most important issue in society today. And like you, I would never support and never have supported any any leaking of, of any information in any context that would ever put our troops in harm's way. Yeah. Uh, that would ever put our our um, our military in any kind of danger or disadvantage. But we're talking about something different here. We're talking about a media that for four years did everything they can to encourage, support, and reward leaking that directly undermined America's core national security interests, that celebrated it at every turn. Every, yeah. every foreign leader call transcript that they could leak, they leaked. Everything they could do. Yep. But, now, but now in this one case, now suddenly they are working – relentlessly on behalf of the Pentagon to stop and end all leaks. That tells you that their true agenda is their support for the globalist war machine. Yeah, no, it's pretty scary. And like, like I said, for me, uh, you know, my mentality on a lot of this has changed. You know, if I look at, you know, Edward Snowden, you know, six, seven years ago, whatever, whenever that happened, you know, before I was sort of, you know, before my eyes were open to just how bad an actor our government is, just how big a liars they are in these things, while sort of, you know, preaching and claiming the moral high ground. You know, same with Julian Assange. I think seven years ago, I mean, you know, these people are traitorous. They're terrible. And I'm like, now I'm looking at I'm like, I don't know, like, isn't it sort of our government that's doing that? Like, I mean, I, again, I would never want to put our troops, our assets, whatever in harm's way. But if we're waging these wars while claiming some sort of moral high ground, if we're talking about, you know, the actions of Vladimir Putin, and how terrible it is I'm like, well, how are how are we acting any differently on a world stage? So now that I understand, having been through it for six, seven years, just how bad an actor the United States government is. You know, my mentality on this has changed sort of rapidly. Again, I don't want to encourage anything that ever hurts our troops or our assets, but like. If we're like perhaps on the brink of World War Three uh, because a couple, you know, unelected officials in the military or perhaps Joe Biden wants to fund a war or perhaps he's doing this because he's being pressured because the people over there that have vested interest in this have another copy of Hunter's laptop and or know about a lot more money transferred to the Biden family or whatever it may be. You know, the fact that no one's even asking these questions is truly scary to me. And I'm not willing to risk World War Three or nuclear Armageddon to cover for a couple more million dollars that Hunter Biden was able to finagle out of a corrupt regime. That's another very important point, which is that we don't know to what extent foreign countries have substantial blackmail leverage over the Biden family and over Joe Biden in particular, which colors all of this. And that's why it's so important Congress get to the bottom of the Biden family investigations. 
It's not just a question. I mean, of course, they committed a number of crimes, but it's also a question of to what extent that is compromising our whole national security. I'll make one other point people often forget about uh, is that Obama pardoned one of the biggest leakers of national security secrets, yep. which was Bradley Manning. And I guess that he changed his gender. Listen, that's... <laughs> Get out of jail free card. Uh, yeah, well, that's why I put up a, a, a tweet last week right after. I go, hey, man, this guy's got about 30 seconds to become trans. Otherwise, he's going to jail <laughs> yes. for life. If he becomes he trans, to, he'll probably he's be fine. He's going to high heels really fast, and he can get yeah. that sentence commuted. Uh, yeah, right? I actually put, a nice foundation job. I put a poll up on my Instagram page. I was like, hey, listen, we, would you chop it off? Would you go through the surgery to avoid <laughs> life in prison? So, uh, you know, we may have to reveal the results of that one. I got to go back and check. I forgot to check uh, where that is. But uh, it seems like that's sort of the the perpetual get out of jail free card today uh, for the left. But what's amazing, Stephen, about this point is, you know, it's so obvious, just like Wuhan was so obvious and just like so many of them were so obvious. But why is there literally no one in the media for the last two years as we've been waging this proxy war, and now it's no longer a proxy war. Now it's pretty clear we're just in a war, um, although Congress didn't approve it and the American public wasn't aware. Why is no one in the media even asking these questions if Biden could be compromised by these things that they're now admitting the laptop's real? They're, you know, two years later again. The laptop, they admitted it was real when it was no longer of any harm or danger to them to admit it. Correct. That's always how they play it. But they're so, not asking the question of, are they compromised? Which is sort of amazing, because I mean, even as insane as the liberals are, as control, as much control as they have over the mainstream media and the narrative, uh, you would think they'd still be adverse to World War III with Russia. I, you know, you would think, but again, I guess I keep getting surprised What is the uh, appropriate level of risk to take on for an event that would result in the death of billions of people, right, is the question. You know, is it worth a 50% risk, a 30% risk, a 10% risk? What is the, what is how the zero, level how about zero? Risk we should like, take? How about I'm just not willing to take that chance over right. a, right. a over, yeah, over, country over like a, Ukraine? Over like, a dispute between two countries that have had a disagreement about territorial boundaries for years and years and years and years. And so you can think it's a you can you can agree it is a deeply tragic issue, it is a heartbreaking issue, but that does not obligate us to take steps that raise the possibility of a global nuclear conflagration. And I'll also note that the United States for years, the deep state, has taken steps to try to antagonize that situation, to try to antagonize that conflict, because the truth is there are a lot of people in our government who want to have a showdown, a military showdown with Russia. Yeah. And you can see it. You can see the people on Twitter and elsewhere um, who are positively excited about the war, who are just yeah. overjoyed about it, who just, it gets them, uh, it gets them a high almost. And, and, yeah, it's and, the new religion of like the left and yes. of the rhinos, really. You know, that's why you saw yes. the Ron DeSantis real flip because, you know, the Republican donor class and the, you know, the, you know, the establishment class over there, they're just excited as excited about the war as like the radical left who's become like the party of warmongers, uh, you know, which was really interesting. Like, you know, Donald Trump, the guy that was going to start World War Three. And I'm sure uh, you, you dealt with plenty of this in your tenure uh, for four years at the White House. But the guy that was going to start World War Three, Donald Trump, is the only guy that was actually preventing it, it seems. Yes. I mean, it's, it's easy to forget. But the United States has been getting involved in new wars for decades now from the Clinton administration, obviously the Bush administration, 
the Obama administration, right? We all remember Libya. We all remember Syria. And President Trump, people, could, people ask me, what is his greatest achievement? And that's such a long answer. And there's so many. And I could go on for such a long time. But I put at the top of my list, number one, a world at peace. No new wars for four years and, and a pathway to peace in the Middle East and in Europe and all across the world, even in, even in the Korean Peninsula. That is by far his greatest achievement. And he was out of office for less than a year before a not only did a new war start, but a new war started between two nuclear powers. If that's not an argument for why President Trump needs to be back ASAP, I don't know what is. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And I, uh, I just hope that people wake up to it because, again, so much of it's hidden, uh, which is why it's so important for people to get, you know, listen to people like yourself, people who are there, who know, who understand, people like myself who are willing to say this stuff, to go contrary to the establishment and to the talking points from both sides. But one of the important fights I think you've been also in over at America First Legal was this case about Douglas Mackey. He, Many of you may have known him in like 2015, 2016, sort of one of the sort of original Twitter MAGA trolls. He went by the you know name Ricky Vaughn on there, like the guy from uh, Major League. Uh, and this is a guy that's now been convicted and, and could go to prison for 10 years for a meme apparently misleading people about voting for Hillary Clinton. Now, there's plenty of people on the left that did the exact same thing against Trump. They don't even get charged, let alone convicted. Uh, and I know that you launched a major investigation into sort of alleged tactics by the radical left to try to actually sabotage that trial. Can you shed some light on it? Because like, you know, if someone in America in 2023 could face 10 years in prison for a meme, A, I'm concerned myself because I share a lot of memes, yes. but, but what the hell is going on in our country that that can even exist, that that, you know, isn't just a clear First Amendment thing that that this could happen and that, by the way, it could happen so much more egregiously on the other side. And there's absolutely no consequence whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much to say about this case. Um, as you mentioned, this is actually a pretty common meme. There's a lot of videos you can find that people saying that the people should text in their favorite candidate. Um, it's obviously a joke. And frankly, even if it's not a joke, it's still protected by the First Amendment regardless. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're dumb words, enough to fall for it, like maybe right. you shouldn't be voting anyway. Right. Yeah. The, yeah, I'm yeah, just words, saying. I mean, I'm not some, about I mean, voter suppression, like, uh, give me Somebody a went online and they said um, that there's a new law that says that your 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 pets can vote. So take your dog and cat to the polling station and have them vote. Would they throw that person in jail? I mean, the, the, the right to be sarcastic yeah. is pretty much like enmeshed in the whole history of Western civilization. You yeah. outlawing sarcasm by conservatives uh, or by non-left thinking people uh, is 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 1984 as Orwellian as anything can possibly get. And it's one of these things where we become so desensitized that um, that we all saw this happen, but so much society has just moved on. Like, yeah, he went to jail. Okay, what are you going to do? I mean, it's as brazen a violation of the First Amendment as I can possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. So so my organization, we are investigating every aspect of this that we can. We don't have any results to share yet, but we are yeah. we are putting all of our um, we're putting significant energies into trying to get the backstory of how this happened and who's responsible for it and how it was set up and who helped to engineer it. So we can begin to answer some of those questions, because this is this is just like, for example, when um, the case where the DOJ 
uh, arrested uh, with a huge armed uh, police force, that pastor who had been sidewalk preaching, or sorry, yeah. the, the pro-life activist who'd been, who'd been sidewalk preaching against abortion, where clearly there's a larger political agenda at play. Clearly there's unseen hands that are moving these prosecutions. And we need to see where those unseen hands are and who they are. Because we now have the Department of Justice, as we talked about earlier, that is in the business of locking up political prisoners. Yeah. And if this was happening in a foreign country, our State Department would issue travel advisories. Oh, yeah, no, not, we, we'd, we'd be, we'd be all for there. regime change. We'd, we'd yes. be like in phase <laughs> yes. three of regime change right now. But if it's happening at home, as long as it's happening by the Democrats, it's OK. I mean, so, I mean, expand on that a little bit, because and, you know, at the end, I want to make sure that people understand where they can go to support. Yes. America First Legal and do that, because everyone always has like, how do we fight back? Like, you know, a big part is banding together and being unafraid. But another part is supporting the organizations that are actually doing this kind of work. So, you know, tell us about that. But like you're talking about that and the Biden administration is, you know, they're continuing their attacks on free speech. And now apparently they're just sort of bypassing parental rights and apparently monitoring students with like gender identity issues in school and like tracking them down without parental consent. I mean, this is another one that we've we've been talking about a lot on the show where they're just trying to, you know, whether it's for the trans agenda, I, to what end, I don't know, but there's everything possible to destroy the framework of family, uh, to cut out parental decisions, whether it be in education or, you know, in determining the sexuality of a, of a minor, you know, what's going on with this case? Because, I mean, I think this is one that's definitely, you know. Well, I have my interest in a number of lawsuits on parental rights. And you can go to aflegal.org, aflegal.org, and you can read about a lot of them. So we have we have multiple lawsuits about the violation of parental rights where you have a a school that is coming in and gender transitioning a child or exposing a child to radical gender theory without giving the parents any kind of ability to see what's happening or know what's happening or object to what's happening. We also have a lawsuit against the Biden administration that um, that did successfully freeze a rule that would have forced doctors to give children puberty blockers and opposite sex hormones and those other uh, infertilizing and sterilizing uh, treatments, you know, chemical castration, and, and also disfiguring, right? In other words, you could go online, you can see the videos, but a, a, a grown adult who never went through puberty does not look like a grown adult and they can never get that back. Like once you miss yeah. puberty, it's over. It's not like you get to do it again. If yeah. you go from 11 to 18, no puberty, and then change your mind, like, it's too late. Like you don't get a second puberty. It's over. Yeah. Some of these videos are, I, I've, I've been watching them because I've just, you know, again, I try to get informed about some of these issues and, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to sort of, you know, jump on one side of a thing and sort of shit all over it with memes. But like, it's another to actually understand the root cause of some of this. And when I when I see some of these videos, they're they're heartbreaking. You know, a child manipulated by some freak show teacher decides to do something. And then, you know, 10 years later, when they inevitably, you know, the, the recidivism rate is what, like 93, 94 percent of people who regret it. Like we should have the ability to go after the doctors, the teachers, personally the parents if this kid wakes up at 18 and it's like what the hell did i do to myself i'm i'm permanently castrated uh i can't do this you know i mean how easy is it to manipulate a child like a you know three four year old i mean you, you promise them ice cream if they do this and it feels like it's it's like the latest hollywood trend like you're not cool if you don't have a trans kid it's like you know it's like a lambo no, it's, it's, for, for a certain uh, you know, segment of the left having a trans kid has become a status symbol Correct. Um, 
which is a very sick thing. Uh, the Do you remember during the Trump administration in 2020 how vilified President Trump was for trying to pursue alternative remedies to COVID, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Yeah. In other words, safe drugs. <laughs> oh, I remember that, it well, Stephen. <laughs> yes. That people have been taking for decades with minimal side effects, right? And he was vilified. He said, these drugs have never been approved to treat COVID. Okay, now you have the same medical establishment saying that drugs that were never created to change a child's gender, that never been studied for this, approved for this, any of it, must be given to these children, no matter what the consequences are. They, you know, inf infertility, bone density, um, disfigurement, whatever. Uh, you know, heart issues, doesn't matter. And so, in fact, another lawsuit we have is we're suing the FDA because we, we filed the Freedom of Information Act request to get all the information about how they are pushing these drugs on our children, and they wouldn't provide it. So we sued them, and we'll see what comes of that. Uh, my theory, though, about the why, um, I think there's more than one thing. But I think one of the big things is this. It's about power and control. And here's what I mean by that. What could be a more dramatic example of how another person has power over you than getting you to recite something that you know is a lie over and over again because you are terrified of what will happen if you don't. So when you have a man show up in a room wearing a dress that everyone knows is a man, and they can say to you, you will say this is a woman, you will say it's a she, you will call he a her, and you'll do it. And not, not you won't, I won't, but millions of people will at their workplaces, at their schools, in their political settings for fear. That establishes a regime of control. It establishes who runs the country, who are the rulers, and who are the subjects. Because yeah. we've got to the point where 85, 90% of people can believe a thing but are scared to say it, then they can get away with literally anything at that point. Yeah, and it, it feels like you know there's never an end to the, right? That you, you could agree with them on Tuesday, but by Wednesday, you need to be 100x where you were yesterday or... You know, you're a racist, homophobe, misogynist, and deserve the same right. level of cancellation. If you disagree with one aspect of their sort of never, ever, never ending and always changing narrative, um, it's over. Like, you get no credit for having even been supportive before, which is what's truly scary. Like, the it, it's always changing. It's always going farther. The second they sort of break through you know, one aspect and okay, fine, we'll let it go. Just leave us alone. You know, right. if you're an adult, you know, and I'm this way, if you're, hey, if you're an adult and you want to chop your private parts off, like, just don't come back and bitching at me. Like, do it. I don't care. You know, I like, I, I it's not for me. I, I don't yeah, love it, but like, why. you know, I don't care. You start messing with our kids. You start pushing, you know, men in women's sports. You start taking away the opportunities from young ladies who've worked their ass off to be the best at their games. Like, I got a serious fucking problem with that. Like, if you want to be a 30-year-old dude and chop your dick off, like, hey, you know, have at it. Like, just, again, don't come bitching to me. Don't come complaining. Don't ask the government to try to fix it. Like, that's on you. Like you, you can be and certainly you know, don't ask the military to pay for it. And like, the, yeah, um, don't ask me to pay for it either. A hundred percent. But like but, they're going after our kids now and they're doing it with reckless abandon. Yeah. And I would I would also say that this is why the accommodation strategy that Republicans have long advocated never works. So if they have some crazy idea on a Monday and you yeah. say, fine, 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 I'll go along with it. In the interest of 
getting along in the interest of goodwill. They'll never say, okay, great, now we're all happy. Then it's then yeah, it's a new no. rule Tuesday, a new rule Wednesday, because it's not about the rule. They don't, they don't, some people, some of them believe it. The useful idiots believe it, certainly. And there's loads of useful idiots. But the people who are writing the rules, again, they don't care whether it's true or not. They don't care whether they believe it or not. It's about them controlling you. And it's yeah. the ones who are making the rules, then they get to be the ones who say, okay, fine. Then we're going to have the ESG standards for the corporations. Yeah. And then we're going to be in charge of all of the regulations that are agencies. And then we're going to have to be in charge of all the charging decisions that DOJ. Once you make this your religion, then the priests of that religion have to be installed all throughout society to enforce it. That's the whole point. It's about them getting to make decisions for you. Yeah, no. And, and I guess, you know, while, you know, while we're talking about just rules, what what are some of the biggest rules that the Biden administration is just flat out violating? Now, obviously, you know, the big one is last week, like starting a war with Russia without yes. congressional approval. And, you know, but what are some of the other ones that we're seeing from the Biden administration that, you know, that are really on your radar at America First Legal and that you're looking to combat? Well, I would argue that outside of outside of starting an illegal war with yeah, a nuclear minor details power, that that the that the most egregious, consistent and lawless violations of our rules and regulations is the open border. And yeah. and that that is um, that is breathtakingly illegal. So. You know, federal law requires that if you're here illegally, you have to be detained and deported. That's very clear. These are laws that have been on the books for a long, long time. The The Trump administration policy was, if we catch you, we're going to hold you, and you're either going to go to Mexico, you're going to go to your home country, or you're going to go to a safe third country that's willing to take you. But you're not going to get into our country. That option, that door is closed. The Biden administration came in, they shut all those policies down, including, as we all know, remain in Mexico, but a lot of other ones that are less well-known, all equally important. And they replaced it with catch and resettle. So they catch you, and now they let you either go to the destination of your choice, or in some cases, they arrange for transportation and fly you to the destination of your choice. So you'll be at the border on Monday, turn yourself into a border agent. You'll be staying at a nice downtown hotel in New York by Wednesday. And they're forcing taxpayers to subsidize all of this. So you go to work, you pay your taxes, you pay your payroll taxes, you make ends meet, and then your dollars are going to now subsidize the lifestyle, the transportation, the travel, and the welfare for illegal immigrants, who then, of course, they're going to have children. Their children are going to be automatic citizens under the anchor baby policy. So their children will then be able to vote in the country. They'll be able to have chain migration. They will be able to collect Medicare, Social Security, drain all of our entitlement funds, everything else. So this is the most consistent violation of federal law that any president in American history has ever engaged in. It's yeah. impeachable for Mayorkas. It's impeachable for Biden. And ultimately, it should be completely defunded by Congress. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because it's also not just about, you know, population, right? I mean, they, that's what they want. They rather than actually do something good for America, they want a population that'll vote for Democrats. They put you on a government program. That's why they let people in, you know, say across the southern border, but not in from Cuba or Venezuela, because those people understand where we're going on the road to socialism. And let's just say they've seen that uh, that show before and aren't into it. But it also seems to be, you know, one of density, right? If they can pack certain areas in time with every census, 
they just get more representation to the the blue, you know, ultra liberal areas of the country. And that's sort of how they take over as well. Yeah. So one of the things that I think shocks people is when they discover that illegal aliens are counted in the census, which provides apportionment for members of Congress. I think that stuns people to the stern to discover that that's the yeah. case. And uh, obviously that needs to that needs to end. But I think that there's a couple of things going on there. I think that one is obviously that you're packing the population in these certain areas. But I also think that large amounts of unskilled immigration destabilize the middle class and make the left much more powerful because you have a much larger population that are dependent on social services, that are dependent on public housing, that are dependent on food stamps. And so when you completely overwhelm a community with mass unskilled migration, it makes yeah. the the Democrat machine more powerful. So, you know, while, while we're talking sort of the border and those policies, let's let's talk about the drug cartels. Obviously, you know, uh, the left hates you for your immigration policies, <laughs> for your advice to my father, you know, at the White House on all of these things. I mean, but, you know, what about the cartels? I mean, why wouldn't they be designated as enemy combatants, given what's going on right now uh, with the fentanyl crisis, uh, you know, killing you know, they're killing far more uh, Americans than anything going on in Ukraine uh, right now. And yet, you know, I guess apparently Russia's an enemy combatant and we can fight a war against them. But the cartels that are making billions uh, killing our kids indiscriminately across the country um, seem to get a total pass. Yes. Well, the there's no foreign adversary in our lifetimes that has killed more Americans than the drug cartels. And obviously, it's time for them to be declared enemy combatants. Uh, there isn't a law enforcement solution at this point in Mexico to the cartel problem. Something that they've been. Well, they're on the payroll for the most part, I would think. It doesn't mean that there aren't plenty fighting it, but it seems like I mean the cartels are actively waging war with the Mexican military at times, right. and they're like winning. Yeah, the police, the police in Mexico can't fight the cartels, and the cartels, of course, this is an important point. They don't just have drugs in this country. They have soldiers in this country. They have bases of operation in this country. There are transnational gangs in almost every American state that are significant criminal enterprises operating in our country, carrying out executions, carrying out hits, uh, running these drug distribution networks on our soil. Uh, all of them, all of them should be arrested by DOJ. But instead, of course, DOJ is too busy putting people in jail for memes. And yeah. so this is the fundamental issue here is that the Department of Justice should be focused on these threats, but instead they're focused on conservatives. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's 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 pretty scary. When you just see the attacks on everything that seems, you know, decent about America. I love your opinion on sort of the, the Biden administration now, you know, the executive order that would prevent, <laughs> you know, state and local you know, governments from barring biological men from competing in women's sports. You know, Title IX seemed like a really big thing at the time. Women fought for it. The feminists fought for it. Uh, and it seems to be like, oh, well, it, you know, it's OK if you're a dude and you become a chick. Like, maybe that'll be good for women's sports or something like that. But the government getting involved in this level about, you know, talk a little bit about that, because I, I imagine it's going to be one of the other things you'll end up having to focus on. Yes. Well, as I mean, it continues already, to get more and more ridiculous. We're already in contact with states uh, to sue over this very thing. And um, the this is another example of the Biden administration's so-called equity agenda. You asked what violates federal law, violating federal law. So obviously, racial discrimination is illegal and sexual discrimination is illegal. 
The Biden administration has issued a number of policies that discriminate on the basis of race, and we've sued over those and we've won. Here, they're discriminating on the basis of sex. So a woman will be disadvantaged solely for the fact that she's a woman uh, by allowing men into the sport in a way that, of course, wouldn't disadvantage male athletes because you don't see this very often that I'm aware of, but if yeah, a, no, if it, I, I'm pretty sure it only goes one way. You know, there, there's probably one, there's probably one exception that proves the rule to right. the left and they'll rub that down your face. You know, meanwhile, yeah. you know, you know, there's no one breaking a, you know, men's records. Yeah. Uh, that, a lot of girls are biological not female. There's no one taking to, scholarships um, for the most part. There's no, yes. you know, it, it really only goes one way. Exactly. And that's why it's inherently discriminatory against women and against female athletes. And so is illegal. And so this will be, Yet one other area where we're going to have to pursue litigation uh, probably would work with states in this case to do so uh, as states administer uh, these policies at their universities. And hopefully it'll be successful. But the whole equity agenda in which whether it's the trans ideology or critical race theory uh, is all about uh, violating Americans right to equality under the law. So when you hear the word equity, Equity equals bigotry. Equity is discrimination. Equity is the government saying, instead of giving you equal opportunity and equal treatment, we are going to decide who wins and who loses, who succeeds and who fails, who's eligible and who's eligible, because you're either part of a favorite group or you're part of a disfavored group. And now we've lived long enough that women uh, to the Democratic Party and to the left are now a disfavored group and women are being erased. Women are so yesterday. Women are so like 10 years ago. Right. The left has no use for women anymore. Either either you're a man who is identifying as a woman or you're of no value to anybody. That's the new hierarchy for the left. It, well, it really is. I mean, Dylan Mulvaney must be the most sponsored human being in the <laughs> history of sponsorships. And it's for like women's products. And I, I just don't understand. You know, it, it makes it makes no sense. But it's even more scary. And again, perhaps we saw a little bit of this in covid. You know, uh, you know, people have become sheep. You know, they're afraid to be like, uh, like, that's bullshit. Like, what, what's going on here? No one's willing to actually go out there and say that. And maybe that's maybe that's exactly why you need a Trump, like someone who just doesn't care uh, about, you know, the feelings of, you know, a very tiny minority group of people that seem to be the most privileged class in America. I mean, today, you know, especially you don't, you don't hear much about sort of trans women. But, you know, if you're if if you're a guy that uh, I guess we, I don't even know which way it goes. But if you're a male that becomes yes. a woman, you, right. you get a lot of power. If you're a woman that becomes a male, it's like like I know of like, I guess, Ellen Page or, you know, like that's the one that I'm aware of on, that goes that way. And yet the other way, it's totally big. But like you need someone to be like, like, what about women? I'm, I'm shocked so the feminists so, aren't all I mean, over this one because, you know, they'd be all over anything else. And I'm also shocked that in 2023, like I'm fighting for like feminists, like I, I'm leading a charge on the stuff that should matter to them or would have historically until, you know, people lost their minds in 2015 or 16. Yeah. And, and, and many feminists and just women in general are afraid to speak up to the to the erasure of their identity. And you have I mean. One of the things that I saw um, was that uh, Dylan Mulvaney uh, appeared to have some sort of sponsorship for uh, tampons. And so, um, I mean, the, because why I not, Stephen? Why not? You're, you're obviously racist. But, but tampons serve a, a very specific purpose, right? 
They're not like a, like a purse or something, right? I mean, they, they have a very specific biological purpose. So imagine how insulting it is to women, how degrading it is to women to, to have a man who, who, who couldn't possibly medically scientific have any need for this product to be its brand ambassador, right? It's just, it, it makes a joke out of womanhood. And, you know, the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm married now. I have kids. Uh, the, I see the, the extraordinary things that, that, that women have to go through, right. To ultimately make a family. And uh, again, we'll get graphic about it. We all can understand. And yeah. so when you have men pretending to be women, it belittles that sacrifice. It belittles that struggle. It belittles the whole experience of being a woman. And you have the left celebrating this and championing this. And so, again, this is an area where uh, where we are now the champion of women in America, women's rights and the rights also and very importantly of little girls everywhere to have their to have their own sports leagues, their own bathrooms, their own private spaces and have no creepy dudes. Yep. anywhere that they congregate in privacy. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's the, I mean, it, it does feel like, you know, again, when you look at the stories about that, oh, they're never going to do something in a bathroom. And yet there, there seems like, the, like every week and this is, you know, after, you know, big tech's covering it up and big social cover it up. Like it feels like there's an awful lot of creepy dudes that are willing to become female uh, and, and do weird stuff. Again, one of those things that seems to only go one way. Uh, in that movement, but like to pretend that that's not a real thing is is ludicrous. And if you're fighting for this and you're a parent of a young girl, it's it's mind boggling to me. I mean, for me, as the father of two young girls, uh, you know, and one that's, you know, an outstanding athlete, like it's 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 the lunacy. You know, the soccer moms that spend all their time going to these games and, you know, some guy is an average male athlete. He has no chance at a scholarship, goes on and becomes a national champion woman. And like, you know, take gets a full ride at the university of their choice is Harold is as, as a you know brave hero. I'm like, you're not brave. Like you didn't beat anyone that you're supposed to be beating. Like there's nothing brave about it. It's despicable. And yet again, I think the trans, uh, you know, movement, I, I think people I mean, they're the most privileged class in society today. And I say this as a white man who's the son of a billionaire. And it ain't even close as far as I'm concerned. No, it is amazing how quickly they have become and to come to occupy the most privileged place in society. And again, just the, the mere fact of, in the case of Dylan Mulvaney, of a, of a of a male, quote, changing, of course, which you can't actually do, um, his identity to a female, showered him with fame, money, riches, access and things, where if he was just um, just a white guy running around life, right? I mean, yeah. nothing special coming his way. Right. Yeah. If he was just a gay white guy, they, you know, there'd be nothing going on. There'd be no scholarship. There'd be no sponsorship. Right. There'd be no money. There'd be no, you know, right. Drew Barrymore or whoever bowing to him like he's some great hero. Like, I, I don't understand it, it, man. Every I feel like I'm being punked. Like, I'm just the star of the Truman Show and they're screwing with me every day. Like, I can come to no other conclusion. And yet, you know, we all we all feel like that because it gets crazier and crazier and crazier every single day. And so. And, and, but the but the but the serious side of this is that is that they're getting away with it, right? And that's what we have to come to terms with. Um, you know, to go to our, our point that we began with. So if you're online, um, the it feels like, oh man, people are seeing you through this, it's like all falling apart, like everyone knows, everyone knows it's a joke, everyone knows it's crazy. But if you actually look at the world, the reality yeah. is Biden's getting away with it, yeah. his administration is getting away with it. 
All these massive corporations, uh, yeah, a few of them are taking a hit here and there, but by and large, they all still have their equity officers. They all still have their DI departments. They all still have um, their uh, crazy woke policies, crazy woke entertainment. They're getting away with it. And yeah. so right thinking people need to start being serious. And I know it's not easy. No. Some things are easier than others. About putting your money with people who respect you or at least don't hate you. About creating and building institutions that are going to support your values and where you can't take over an institution. So take over your PTA. In other words, run your own candidate. Yeah, 100%. Go over your school board, run your own candidates. You got to get in the game. And that's, that's why I created my own legal nonprofit because I knew that the uh, if you just relied on big law to do it, it was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk about that. Because I mean, I think Republicans are actually winning some of the culture war right now with regular people. Okay, I, I don't believe that you know, the average Democrat across the country thinks the three-year-old should mutilate their body to, you know, for gender affirmation. Like, I, I don't believe that. And yet our leaders on the Democrat side, you know, that's a hill to die on for them. So where do you think Republicans are winning? And, and where where is there room for improvement? What, what, what do we need to be working on to, to actually win uh, and to change some of that mindset? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. So uh, one example of a really big win recently that I think provides a roadmap, a big conservative victory recently, was when the uh, the House voted to repeal the D.C. pro-crime law, right? So for those of you who don't remember, uh, the city council in D.C. passed a law that massively reduced sentences for some of the most violent and dangerous offenders. And under the Constitution, the House has oversight, obviously, over the capital city, uh, because it's a federal city, it belongs to everybody. And that vote passed. <clears throat> and Biden was forced to relent because it was such an overwhelmingly popular issue and to sign it. And so I think what my advice would be to conservatives in the House uh, on the legislative front would be take these targeted, isolated, winning issues and just beat the living hell out of them. In other words, yeah. just bang the drum, shout for the mountaintops and just vote on one winning issue after another. And, and make it simple. In other words, don't make it a 100-page bill or a 500-page bill. Take one issue at a time. So like on Monday, for example, um, vote to say that no men and women sports anywhere in America. On Tuesday, vote to say no federal funding for chemically castrating children, right? On Wednesday, uh, say vote to say that, the, um, uh, that no airline uh, can choose its pilots based on skin color, right? But let's take one issue at a time. Yeah. Right. Every single day and focus the whole attention of the country on it. Then I would use the committees to hold hearings to elucidate all these issues. So, for example, I saw that the COVID select committee is bringing up Randy uh, Weingarten. Now, I don't know if this has been done yet, but I would also on top of that, I would want to subpoena all the communications between the Teachers Federation and the CDC to see how they colluded on shutting down schools and on masking our kids. Right. Yeah. And I would then want to say, um, look at how uh, Google is throttling search results to undermine conservatives, right? Yeah. And so basically take one discrete issue at a time, issue a subpoena, pursue it, hold a hearing, publicize it. I think that kind of strategy, sort of one one digestible winning issue yeah. at a time is the best way to go. We tend as conservatives to fall in love with overly complicated things. So we'll work on like a 1,000 page budget plan. Like here's our budget. It is 1,000 pages. Now please attack us. 
right? Like yeah. this is our this is our like 10 year plan to completely fix the country and every single thing in the entire country is all in this one document. Like yeah. that's too complicated. Yeah, or or we chase a thousand little things with little sound bites, but without real any action after no, that. Yeah, so, no follow up. You, know, you got pick five big ones, go after them, and see them through. Because the other side's yes. going to slow play it again. They're going to have the help of tech. They're going to have the help of the media, yes. who's going to vilify anyone who goes after the things that again are so obvious to so many people that you know they can just run out the clock, and you'll never really get an answer to it. So you know, I I, I agree a hundred percent on that. We just we got to see them through, and we can't let them play the games. I think we also have to use the power of the purse. You know, I, I don't think with a four-seat majority in the House that we're going to be passing much legislation, but we can act as a powerful blocker because of the money. Uh, and that is everything in D.C. That's a very important point. The power of the purse, our founders intended to be the most important power. Uh, the government doesn't do anything until Congress appropriates the money for it. And so we need to switch the, people, switch the way people think about this. So normally the way people think about it is government's on autopilot and we just automatically refund everything. We need to go back to saying, no, you justify to us why we should spend money on your thing. You want to release illegal aliens? You justify to us why we should spend one penny on that. You want to change our kids' genders? You justify to us why we should spend one penny on that. So the House's position should be, we will not spend a penny on anything that cannot be justified. So we need to change the way we think about it. It's not us pulling back. The money runs out every year. It's us deciding what we spend money on in the first place. What what does the Republican Party need to do in terms of ground game? Uh, you know, the Democrats have, you know, truly weaponized, you know, the ballot harvesting system and, and all of these, you know, it changes the dynamic of an election. You know, they're going out, you know, their election day lasts two months and they're going there knocking door to door and they're doing whatever they can while, you know, while we sit there, you know, and complain about having, you know, paper ballots and voter ID and all of this while, you know, while they're laughing and collecting ballots for weeks at a time. What 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 in your mind, what are the most powerful steps we can do to sort of level that playing field? Because, again, I, I actually think we're winning on a lot of issues with regular people. But I think, you know, that you can go door to door in Philadelphia and get people collect a ballot and vote for someone they probably wouldn't be able to pick out of a lineup. Uh, and it doesn't matter because, you know, that that's an election. That's such an important point. Our elections have changed in ways that we still haven't wrestled with or understand. So um, obviously, uh, the you, you have massive fraud and there's no voter ID and there's no identity verification or residence verification or domicile or any of that stuff. And we can have that for two hours. But I want to talk about another facet of this that you mentioned, which is the idea that people who are extremely low propensity voters can have their ballots harvested. So these are people, as you mentioned, they may not know who's running, have not watched a single ad, have not looked at a single mailer, have not heard from a single candidate. They don't even know who's in the race. Mm-hmm. But the but the left can send a person to their house every day for two weeks until they get a ballot, and then they take the ballot from them and they drop it off in a drop box. So while we're persuading people, we're changing people's minds. For every one mind that we change, and you know how much effort it takes to change a mind, yeah. For every one mind they change, they'll just go harvest 10 ballots. So yeah. for us, it's pretty simple. It's binary. Where you can fix the law, fix it. Where you can't, where where either you don't have the legislature or the governor's office or the right balance of members or whatever it is, yeah. where you can't change the law, you have to beat them at their game. There's no yeah. other option. There's no. There's just no other option. Yeah. So 
And that means putting drop boxes in every church and VFW hall and everywhere the conservatives congregate, then you have no choice but to do it. And that means going to every nursing home in America um, and and individually meeting with a every single senior citizen and not leaving until you have their ballot. And that's just what you have to do. Yep. Because if we're relying entirely on election day and they've got two months, then you're opening yourselves up to what happened in Arizona. Where, oh, look, sorry, the election day machines don't work. Sorry, can't vote. Yeah. Just Come kidding. Back. Yeah. Come back next term. <laughs> next try. Try again in six years. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And yeah, and listen, I think we all we'd all love voter ID with paper ballots and same day voting and everything. But like until until you actually have the power to do that, like you got to play the game on their terms and they've set those terms. And like, you know, we can bitch about it all we want, but we're not doing ourselves any favors by just sitting it out uh, while they're laughing our, their asses off and, and winning uh, elections that we should frankly be winning based on you right. know, the you constituency. Who's ahead five, six points in the poll. Uh, and they can still win, again, just by digging deeper into the pool of completely non-engaged voters where they will go to their house. They will say, go find that ballot, check that box, hand it to me, I'll do the rest. And so that is how many elections are now being decided. So, Stephen, you, you, you were in the White House as, you know, one of my father's closest advisors. You, you wrote speeches for him. What, what are some of the most memorable sort of Trumpian moments uh, of of your tenure, four years with my father in the White House? That's such a great question. Um, well, the uh, you know a lot of my favorite memories um, have to do with the, the big showdown we had with Mexico over immigration policy, where this is when we were working on Remain in Mexico, and he, he huddled a bunch of advisors in the presidential dining room. So you have the you have the Oval Office, and then you have like a little pass-through area yep. that leads into a small little dining room. And the that's a you know the president would oftentimes when he was really thinking about something he would bring people into the dining room for a very close hold conversation, and he was tired of how long it was taking Mexico to agree to the terms to remain in Mexico. This is a very historic thing. I mean, Mexico their starting position to be clear was you've got to be kidding me. You're going to send us your illegal aliens not just from our country but from all the other countries. Like their their opening position was this will literally never happen. Like, this is never going to happen. And so we had worked him and worked him and worked him, but it still was going too slow for his for his uh, desires, and he had enough. So he called us all in, and he said, um, uh, we are going to put out a statement right now on Twitter saying that either we get what we want from Mexico or it's going to be a 15% tariff across the board. I think it was 15. It might have been 10. But, but a massive tariff across the board on every single product coming in from Mexico. And he said, if we do this, just announcing it, right, is going to send their economy into panic, send their leaders into panic. And if we actually implement this, the peso is going to crash and they're going to be completely screwed. And, you know, of course, as is often the case, there were advisors. I won't say any names. Uh, good people. You can't all, do but, that. It's not very right. nice. We should right. just they were like, over and let everyone in the world. A huge problem is going to be a diplomatic crisis. It's not the way things work. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And he overruled everybody. He said, I've had it. We're doing it. This is our position. It's happening. And we put out the tweet. And then I believe it was the foreign minister of Mexico who called his counterpart in our country. Within like an hour, we were back at the table. We had the deal by the end of the day. And then we had remain in Mexico in place uh, the day after. And that changed the whole course of illegal immigration in this country, because now we had a situation where nobody had to be released into the United States 
under any condition or circumstance. And, and that was a historic event. And it was a great example of President Trump not following the playbook of the diplomats, not following the playbook of the State Department, not following the playbook of the so-called smart set, but trusting his instincts as a businessman, trusting his instincts as a leader, and just making a gut call that was 100% right. And it carried with it a huge risk. Because if it backfired, we have no deal. We have a threat that is going to create massive economic instability. And he might have to pull down the threat. Like, who knows, right? Yeah. He put his reputation on the line for a call he knew was right. And it paid off. And we won. Yeah, I mean, he, he did that on so many. Were you there when he did did something perhaps even more aggressive than that? I guess the, the leader of the Taliban was over there at like Camp David. And he just showed him like an aerial like satellite image of his house. Be like... How do you like the picture of the house? And he was like, why are you showing me? Like, oh, no worries. Let's let's make sure nothing happens to American troops ever again. And <laughs> and it didn't while we were in power. It's sort of amazing how that works, right? Yes. No, I uh, I wasn't at that meeting, but um, but I've heard uh, that story. And it's a great example um, of, of how of how he is so much smarter than all the people who think they're smart. Yeah. Uh, he kept our troops from being killed. Not one soldier was killed after he made uh, the deal with the Taliban. Not one soldier was killed. No letters had to be written home. No parent had to visit a gravestone every single year and had to have an empty table, empty chair at the table every single holiday because he understood how to do it. He understood what real strength looks like and how to create a peaceful world. Yeah. And again, now under, under Biden, we had 13 people needlessly die, heroes needlessly die in Afghanistan, uh, an, an unimaginable tragedy. And we have uh, Iran marching towards a nuclear bomb. We have Israel and Palestine, um, again, um, drenched in uh, in Palestinian terror. And we have the whole world unraveling. North Korea is uh, back to firing all kinds of missiles and rockets and everything else. Um, and it's all because uh, they put President Biden into the White House. That's yeah. all happening for that reason. And we're living through it now. Yeah. And who could have thought how quickly, right? You, you could go yes. from that position of power on a world stage to a position where, you know, our enemies are laughing and our allies are questioning, well, pretty much everything because yeah, it took, who, I mean, literally, who wouldn't? It took just a matter of months, weeks even, yeah. everything to start unraveling. And, you know, people people didn't realize, and, and it's horrible they had to learn the lesson this way, but they didn't realize until he left how much he was holding everything together, how much he was holding Europe together, how much he was holding the Korean Peninsula together, how much he was holding the whole Middle East together. And then once he left, right, that everything just started unraveling and falling apart. And again, all the so-called smart people, all the so-called geniuses who think they're so gifted, right, just one embarrassment after another. These people can't even keep trains on the train tracks. Yeah, now it's a it, it's scary, but Stephen, it's it's good to see uh, you know a guy like you out there fighting. And guys, you know, make sure you go check out uh, what Stephen's doing over at America First Legal. Uh, make sure you pass this along to your friends so they can see Thanks. about it and learn about it. Make sure you like it uh, so that it stays relevant in search. Uh, you know, we got to be in this game together. We got to be unafraid. Stephen, thank you so much for that. Let, just let everyone know thank where you. they can find you, uh, where they can find America First Legal, where they can look to support it, because I think, again, that's so critical. Thank you so much. Yes, go to aflegal.org, aflegal.org. 
You can sign up for our newsletter. You can make a donation. You can just visit the website and check out all the different lawsuits that we have filed, all the different oversight investigations we have going, aflegal.org. And then you can follow me um, at True Social and on Twitter with uh, at Stephen M. That's at Stephen M. Oh, you're the best, man. Thank you very much, guys. Go check that out. Again, share, like, uh, download the Rumble app to make sure that, again, you're able to see this kind of content and that other people can do it and understand that there are people actually fighting out there. It's not a hopeless cause. There are people doing it, but we need the rest of the logical, insane American public, what's left of them, to get behind guys like Stephen, myself, my father, to be able to combat what, honestly, what I can't, you, you know, at any other time in history, it may have seemed like hyperbole, but at this point, I can call it nothing other than evil uh, coming from the left and the people in power on the other side. So, Stephen, thanks so much for being here. You're thank the best. You. And we'll, oh, we'll have you me. back on as some of these other things unfold, because, I would love uh, to. you know, again, I think people want to see uh, that stuff is actually happening, that we're not just dunking on Twitter after they get the win and it's no longer relevant, but that we're actually fighting back and making a Amen. difference in real time. And you're a big part of that. So thanks a lot, bud. Thank you. Okay, guys, I want to make sure to, again to thank our sponsors who are so important to this kind of program and everything. So make sure first and foremost that you like the show, like it down below, pass it on to your friends, make sure that they see it so we can combat all of the insanity that we're up against. We're up against big tech, we're up against mainstream media, we're up against big social, like trillion dollar industries. That's what we're up against, but together, united, we can do this. So make sure to like and share this podcast here. Subscribe to the Rumble app so you can see it, have notifications when myself or Kimberly or some of your other favorite uh, talkers are going live. You can learn more about it and share it. And also don't forget to support our sponsors. Okay, Patriot Mobile, uh, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, putting America first with every call. Again, guys, you're gonna have a cell phone. It's literally a fact of life. I don't know anyone who doesn't have one at this point, but you can have one and you can support those who give back to the things that you believe in, who share your values, or you can have it with like AT&T or one of the woke mobile companies who literally is out there trying to cancel, their parent company owns DirecTV, who is trying to cancel OAN and Newsmax, like two of the three conservative stations on cable. like. That's what they're doing. So for free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. Again, you get free activation and you get to support people who share your values and have the guts to support programming like this. Also, make sure to go check out Gold Co. Protect your retirement savings from the insanity of everything that's going on. I just want you to be prepared. I want you to learn about it. So if you go to donjuniorgold.com, D-O-N-J-R gold.com, the guys at Gold Co. can help you understand how to diversify your portfolio, how to make sure you're protected against the insanity. So go to donjuniorgold.com, and I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, I will, uh, I'm going to be traveling. Don't think I can do uh, locals tonight. I got to go catch a plane, but uh, I'll be back on Thursday and I will talk to you guys then. You're the best. Again, don't forget to like, share, and download the Rumble app.